Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to Basketball Conference, the ACC Football Podcast. My name is Joey Weaver. He's Mike McDaniel. Mike, week 12 in the books. How are you doing? You played golf yesterday. How'd you hit him? 89. Sure. Came came alive on the back nine. I did. Yeah, I did. Played played well on the back nine. Scott got a new driver, and he hits it four four miles. Sorry. Casual four miles. (laughs) I'll... I'll pause there so we don't have to enter in a bleep in the first 50 seconds of this podcast tonight. So. There you go. That's the spirit. Yeah. Very good. Very good. Sometimes four miles good. Sometimes four miles bad. But four yeah. Miles nonetheless. <laughs> sometimes it'd be good. Sometimes it'd be cheap. <laughs> Didn't say which direction he hit it four miles in, you know. Depended on yeah. the uh, depended on the drive. That's that's true. That is uh, that is how it goes in the game of golf. We just put yeah. another one down and we're off. Yeah, we're off. Yeah. <laughs> we're not we're not on tour. We don't pretend to be. I'm planning on playing on Tuesday, and it uh, looks like it's going to be 15 to 20 mile an hour winds gusting up to like 45. We had yesterday. That's yeah. what we dealt with. Entire yeah. front nine was into the wind, so that was fantastic. I, I just, I, you know, I just like having something to blame my poor golf game on uh, other than things in my control. So, you know, <laughs> it's the clubs, it's the shoes, it's the weather, you know, whatever it is. That's, that's the reason. It's not that I'm not good at golf. Never. No, I, it can't be that. <laughs> can't that goes for all of us by the way yeah that that is yeah that's a commonality a commonality i think yep uh mike we got some games we, get, we probably need to talk about uh we should get to that uh before we do just a heads up we're doing this sunday night uh we are live on youtube.com slash at the acc football podcast uh appreciate the folks joining us in the chat here hanging out talking about week 12 and all of its glory uh in the acc uh we First of all, apologize for not going live Saturday night, Saturday Night Fever, as kind of was intended. Um, as mentioned, Mike had a long day. Uh, I had a, a very long day and was in a, uh, you know, in certain physical condition that we don't have to get into um, unless you want to, but we don't have to. Um, in any case, we, uh, yeah, we decided it was going to, we were going to push to Sunday night. So appreciate the flexibility and the understanding here as we, uh, we still want to make sure we get to these, all these games and recap them because there was a, a lot that went on yesterday in the ACC uh, that needs to be talked about. A lot. A lot. A lot. Uh, with that, should we put 10 minutes on the clock, Mike, and do a, a quick little rapid recap? How's that sound? Let's do it. And go. Pittsburgh 24, Boston College 16. How did I know you'd want to start here? Ah, oh, man. It, you know, it feels good to, you know, kind of crack the knuckles. <laughs> and just <laughs> remind. did it. And, and just remind the boston college fans all the soft as baby poop boston college fans in my mentions from before the virginia tech game just reminding them that i watch the games i know ball boston college is a dumpster just have to remind you we tried to tell you bang boston- bang bang you're dead tried to re- we tried to tell you that boston college was not as good as their record lo and behold they welcome virginia tech up Virginia Tech goes up there, beats that ass. Then on a short week, they go to Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh, it's somebody different, a quarterback every week. This is Pat Narduzzi's worst team at Pittsburgh in the near decade he's been there. Mm -hmm. And Boston College, uh, what are you doing? (laughs) Like, I did not watch this game live. I went back and watched it the next day. You guys were texting me about it. Mm-hmm. And I went back and watched it the next day, and my God, yeah, okay. I watched. I watched a lot of this live. It was a, a bit of a rough watch. Like it was not pretty. <laughs> there was an ACC coach who got fired this weekend. It wasn't Jeff Halfley. Maybe it should have been. 
Yeah. Uh, first of all, I, I don't know if you guys listening knew this. I don't know if you're on Twitter or not, but Mike has a new hobby and it is uh, picking fights with Boston College fans on Twitter. <laughs> Other way around. Other way around. I just remind them they're wrong. You know? Bringing up receipts. It's yeah, it's uh, continuing fights with Boston College fans yeah. on Twitter. Yeah. I had a uh, Boston College fan tell me that I didn't know ball and I don't watch the games. And then I told him that my take of Boston College being bad was aging better and better by the week. And then he blocked me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So shame. what a shame. I feel like we should have known something was going to go on here. The fact that Pittsburgh was favored. Uh, it was it was senior night, if I'm not mistaken, there at the uh, the big former ketchup bottle. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I felt like in a way and we can get into this as we we talk more in, more about the game. But I felt like a lot of this, this was a little bit of a, a Boston College loss. Uh, where Boston College mistakes cost them as opposed to uh, Pitt just being the better team outright. I, I don't know that I would say that they were. Uh, yeah, I mean, this is more about the opponent, I think, than Pitt themselves. Mm-hmm. Yep. Pitt 24, Boston College 16. Uh, we're going to jump here because this game was consequential. Florida State 58, North Alabama 13. North Alabama was leading this game 13 to nothing, and then Jordan Travis snapped his ankle, a really gruesome leg injury, which is obviously going to impact what Florida State does moving forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is the story of the ACC this and, and we had a coach firing. So that tells you everything you need to know. This is a catastrophic injury for Florida State. I think that that was one of the two or three stories in all of college football this weekend is you've yeah. got a, uh, an undefeated number four playoff spot holding Florida State team right now that, mm-hmm. yeah, they're, you know, low, low Heisman contender level quarterback just broke his leg and uh, is is done done. I mean, it was it, yeah, if you didn't see the, the broadcast, do not go look for it because it was. It was gruesome. Um, it yeah. was one of those where not a lot is left to the imagination of what happened there, and it's not pretty. And he is—he's going to be out for a while. He, he will yeah. not. He, that, that's the last snap of college football he'll ever play. Uh, Agree. Basically, yeah. So, um, hate it for Jordan Travis. Hate it for Florida State. Very curious to see what this does for them. I mean, as they—they're going to Gainesville next week, if I'm not mistaken. I think that's at Florida, and then they'll be in Charlotte in two weeks against uh, Louisville in the ACC championship game and should be fine against Florida. Although <laughs> Florida played Mizzou tough. So we'll yeah. see, uh, should be fine against Florida. The Louisville game became very interesting now. Just got a lot more. Yeah. A lot more interesting. I would yeah. Say. So we'll see what happens there. Yep. Uh, we'll get more into that here in a few minutes. Number 19, Notre Dame 45, wake four or seven. I mean, Notre Dame threw, I mean, Hartman threw four touchdown passes. They Wake Forest could not stop Audrey Castame. Wake Forest offense couldn't stay on the field. This went as anticipated. Yeah. Um, th- this completely, like, it was, it was still competitive at halftime, completely got away from Wake. Notre Dame just totally asserted themselves in the second half. Uh, got a lot of, a lot of margin here. And yeah. Um, yeah. Just not all that surprising, honestly, with everything else we've seen from Wake this year. They, it, it's been a really tough year for them. Yeah, one of those games that Notre Dame led at halftime, and they were only up by ten, but it didn't really feel like Wake Forest really had a prayer. So it was right. just kind of one of those, one of those situations. Yep. Uh, NC State thirty-five, Virginia Tech twenty-eight. Virginia Tech's defense got gashed here. Uh, total lack of complimentary football in the first half. NC State had thirteen first downs to Virginia Tech's four. Uh, they doubled up Virginia Tech in time of possession in the first half. Hokies couldn't get off the field on defense. Couldn't stay on the field on offense. Dug a huge hole. Started playing complimentary football in the fourth quarter. It was too little, too late. They were trailing mm-hmm. by three scores. Uh, NC State's defense, buddy, they good. Mm-hmm. They good. 
Even uh, giving up 28 points here. I mean, again, it was only 14 through three quarters. And, uh, you know, you, you figure it's, it makes sense that they went and backed off the gas just a little bit in the fourth quarter trying to protect a three-score lead. Went back and watched a little bit of that this afternoon, and it looked like it was more of NC State playing to keep everything in front of them than mm-hmm. Virginia Tech all of a sudden just finding it offensively in the fourth quarter. So just yep. something I want to point out there. Number 10, Louisville, 38, Miami, 31. Uh, the Hurricanes were game here. Louisville was in trouble <laughs> for a decent portion of this game. Uh, this was very competitive. This was probably the the best ACC game of the day. Mm-hmm. This was, uh, yeah, it lived up to the billing. Uh, it kind of, it was a Miami, a half point favorite. Then it was Miami half point underdog. Then it was, I, I think it closed as, with Louisville as a one and a half point favorite. I think that was the final closing line. Very competitive game here. Louisville, very lucky to come out with a win. But I thought, you know, the Cardinals really buckled things up in the fourth quarter and played really good football down the stretch of this game. Yeah, dead dead serious, not joking. Very impressed with Miami in this game. Um, really? Was Seriously? Very impressed with Tyler Van Dyke in this game. I thought he played very well. He, he, he avoided mistakes. I Watching this game, I mean, there was probably 10 minutes left in the game, and I'm, I'm not sure there had been a point yet where I felt like Louisville was going to win the game. It felt like they yeah. were hanging on just trying to hang around and it felt like you were one or two plays away from Miami pulling away and, and putting the game away and uh, Louisville ends up making it happen in the fourth quarter and uh, that that was impressive to see but uh, yeah really really good effort from Miami here just uh, kind of unfortunate that it's another loss there and they're, they're going to finish below 500 in ACC play at this point yeah we up Louisville to the ACC championship game yes, they, they confirmed that by uh, by winning this game Officially clinched. Mm-hmm. So Louisville's going to Charlotte, and uh, by circumstances, they're going to have a really good opportunity to win the ACC championship. Mm-hmm. Uh, Clemson 31, number 20, North Carolina 20. Joey, uh, Clemson is starting to play some really good football here the last few weeks, and mm-hmm. I'm dead serious when I say this. I'm not sure there are like 15 or 20 teams in college football I'd take on neutral field right now, and Clemson is 7-4. and four. So yeah. I mean, it helps having a defense that they've got, right? That is a yeah. really good defense. Your offense doesn't have to be that good for you to win a lot of games, especially in the ACC. Like, and and yeah, their offense. I think the biggest thing probably that we're seeing, Mike, is that they're finding identity. They're, yeah, they're asking a little bit less of Cade Klubnick than they used to ask of Trevor Lawrence and Deshaun Watson. And you know, if you can just kind of keep the thing moving down the field and lean on Will Shipley and Phil Moffa in the run game. Again, like you got a defense good enough that you don't have to score a ton, a ton to give yourself a really good shot of winning games. Yeah, that defense really impressive here. Offense, like you mentioned, the shift in identity is something I want to hit on here in a few minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, Virginia 30, Duke 27. Impressive by UVA. I, yeah, flat out impressive, man. Like they're not as bad as their record. Uh, you know, I talk about BC being a lot worse than their record. Virginia's opposite side of the coin. I don't care what SP plus says like they're, they're playing better football here. Yeah. The, the last month or so for sure. Definite signs of improvement. Uh huge day for Malik Washington, by the way, who uh, set a school record, I believe dude. for receptions in a season. He's a dude. He has been a, an amazing find for them. Um, another tough loss for Duke who now has kind of stacked up a few one score losses this year. Yeah. And, um, I've heard a couple of people ask questions about Mike Elko. Like, is the shine off there a little bit? I kind of don't think so. I mean, when you're doing this with a third string freshman quarterback, like, what do you expect? What's he supposed to do? Like, yeah, I, we'll talk about that in a few minutes. What the hell yeah. is he supposed to do? Georgia Tech 31, Syracuse 22. Uh, Dino Babers is fired. So yeah. we'll, we'll get into that. Mm-hmm. But more importantly, Joey, Georgia Tech is bowl eligible. Congratulations. 
bowl eligible jackets. Uh, thank you, Mike. I'm excited about this. Uh, there was a, a crazy stat that I will get to here shortly later. We're running out of time here on the 10 minute uh, rundown, but uh, I'll, I'll get to that in a minute of just, you know, how, uh, how common it is that Georgia Tech makes bowl games, basically. Um, we'll get to that. Oh, okay. Uh, I will say, though, this is a game that Georgia Tech got out to a big lead. Syracuse really impressed, again, with the effort that they showed. They never quit on this game. Um, they It really felt like, again, Georgia Tech was just hanging on. Uh, there's there your is. timer. Uh, Georgia Tech absolutely hanging on in the fourth quarter, and you're just kind of waiting. I, I, I'm that, like, broken Atlanta sports fan, right? Like, I'm just waiting on something bad to happen, and it, it didn't. Uh, Georgia Tech came up with a huge offensive drive in the fourth quarter when they had to have it after really doing almost nothing for the entire second half up till that point. And uh, they put the game away. And uh, awesome. Awesome, yep. awesome. Good feeling seeing the Jackets going back to a bowl game. Yeah, and uh, they have a shot at seven wins. They sure this do. Week, I guess, yeah. Against Georgia. They have they have like a one and a half percent shot at seven wins. <laughs> That's right. Uh, before the bowl game, of course. That's right. That's right. All right, Mike. There nice. you go. Rapid recap in slightly yeah, right. over ten minutes. Yeah, we did. We did pretty well there. We talked for two and a half minutes about the uh, Louisville. Uh, or, I'm sorry, the uh, Pitt BC game. So the uh, yeah, soft as baby poop. That's right. But, I, yep. I wanted to say something a little different, but I didn't want Scott to stay up late editing. So <laughs> appreciate that. Yeah. There you go. Uh, Mike, the rapid recap brought to you by Section103.com, the Internet's premier place for all things wonderful Georgia Tech apparel. they got T-shirts, sweatshirts, hoodies, something for men, women, children, something for the whole family. Uh, they've got things in the official Tech Gold, all the official word marks. Everything that you need for the Georgia Tech fan in your life is at Section103.com. Use promo code GOACC for 10% off your first order. Uh, I'm wearing my Section103 right now. I love it. You will love yours. Um, by the way, a little like word to the wise here, um, using promo code GOACC uh, will get you 10% off your first order at section 103. But uh, if you go there between now and November 27th, Mike, they've already started it to celebrate Georgia Tech's bowl eligibility. They have already started their gold Friday sale. Uh, that is 20% off everything uh, in oh. the store. So you could get 10% off using our promo code and we would appreciate you know the reference there if you haven't, uh, if you haven't bought there before. But if you want 20% off, you're trying to do some little early, you know, Christmas shopping, Hanukkah shopping, Kwanzaa shopping, Festivus shopping, whatever, whatever you're doing, uh, go to section103.com, get 20% off between now and November 27th, everything in the store. They got some great Feliz Bobby Dodd sweaters, by the way, that are perfect for any of the upcoming uh, winter parties in your life that you're uh, going to be going to. Yeah, I thought you were going to say that Stephen was doing a 6% off just for Georgia Tech six wins. I figured if that was the case, our our discount is definitely better. Slightly less attractive. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But in any case, uh, yeah, once again, they've got uh, NIL shirts uh, supporting Haynes King, uh, supporting Dante Smith, uh, Miles Kelly from the basketball team, Zach Pyron, um, all sorts of good things over at section103.com. Once again, use promo code GOACC for 10% off your first order uh, or just, Go to the site between now and November 27th. Everything is 20% off in the store as part of their Gold Friday sale. Some new stuff in there, too, by the way. They got a uh, little onesie that I uh, might be looking into for the little girl that uh, need to add something to the wardrobe there. We'll see. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Shout out to Steven and the gang. Appreciate their support. And congrats to Steven, by the way. Recent uh, recipient and celebra uh, celebrated individual, the Georgia Tech 40 under 40. Uh, 40 congratulations under 40. to him. Yep. 
Saw handed off Instagram. a couple of handed off a couple of sweet Section 103 shirts to the uh, Institute president Angel Cabrera at the celebration the other night. That was awesome, and uh, Cabrera seemed to love him. So, congrats to Stephen on that big, big honor, and, and happy to be associated with him and getting his support here. Not to be confused with Masters champion Angel Cabrera. Yeah, <laughs> want to get, get in front of that. That's right. That's right. He's uh, he's good at a lot of things. I don't know that golf is one of them, but. <laughs> You'd have to ask him. I know? yeah. Who's to say? Who's to yeah. say? Moving on. Moving on. Uh, Mike, where do we start with our deep dives? Uh, let's start Georgia Tech Syracuse, only because uh, there are some there's some conversations being had in the chat, and let me get out this take that I've had all day today. Syracuse did Dino Babers a favor by firing him. Feels uh, that way. I don't think Syracuse is a very good job. I think that Dino Babers is a good coach. Mm-hmm. I think it ran stale there. I think that Syracuse is kind of strained on resources, and he wants to run a certain offense where you have a bunch of guys at skill positions that uh, are really fast and pretty good, and I'm not sure that you can recruit that many of those guys to Syracuse with the offense he wants to run. So call it an imperfect fit. I'm surprised he made it work for as long as he did, but I think Dino Babers will land on his feet. Go go back to his intro press conference, right? Where he, and, and if you listen to cover three, they've got like the Dino drop that they play periodically, but he, he gave a little bit of like a, a, a preaching kind of segment for about two minutes talking about, you know, close your eyes, you know, I want you to picture an offense that will not huddle a defense that, you know, is, is physical and fast and an all, and especially just well coached and like all this stuff, the offense that will not huddle. I mean, when's the last time we saw that offense from Syracuse? I mean, Eric Dungy. Yeah. Like it's been a while. Yeah. Like it in, has been. And, and Mike, you texted me a, a thread, and I can't find it at, at, at the moment. But basically, you know, there was a Twitter thread from, I believe it was your editor at Sports Illustrated, who, mm-hmm. who's a you know big football guy, big Syracuse guy. And he talked about one of the big things that was probably a failing of Dino Babers over this time was basically not developing a quarterback beyond a guy who, again, like a, an Eric Dungy or like a Garrett Schrader, who – their their biggest strength was improvising. Yeah. And I, and I think there's something to that. Yeah. I think that a lot of what shout out Dan. A lot of what Dan said was right on the money. Mm-hmm. This was I think when they when the Dungy era ended and Syracuse went to DeVito we all kind of thought this, right? He thought it as a Syracuse alum. You and I thought it just as two guys who follow the ACC. We talked about on this podcast. We thought the transition would be seamless. We thought that DeVito would step in based on what we had seen when Dungey was out of the lineup and DeVito was backing him up. We thought that DeVito would step in. New York Giants legend. New York Giants legend, Tommy DeVito. We thought he would step into the lineup and provide Syracuse that pop offensively where because you'll remember like Eric Dungy he was really good as a senior he was not always as good as he was as a senior like Mm -hmm. he struggled it was like very up and down he was a mediocre quarterback for most of his time at Syracuse senior year is when he exploded 
we expected that DeVito was going to step in and provide stability at the position for multiple years. It just flat out did not happen, right? Mm -hmm. Um, He ends up transferring out of the program to Illinois, and Syracuse has been on this adventure at quarterback ever since. It's been this Garrett Schrader-led offense, which has been really run-heavy, power run-heavy, where you mix in play action when you can. It has not been the spread everybody out, throw the football over the field offense that Babers ran at Bowling Green and that he wanted to run at Syracuse. It just never, that was never the case throughout his tenure. I mean, what percentage of called pass plays ended up in a Schrader scramble? Right. Like, right. That was a common feature of the offense. I mean, two years ago, what was it like? It was some crazy. It was some crazy percentage, like 74, 75% of the available yards offensively. I'd have to go back and look at what the exact number was. It was over 70% of the available yards offensively were between Garrett Schrader and Sean Tucker. <laughs> I mean, oh, yeah. It was, it was a two man power rushing offense two years ago. Yeah. And they tried to replicate it last year and Tucker was banged up and the offensive line didn't play as well. And then they really, you know, this year, I think it was going to be very reliant on Garrett Schrader and his legs and, and mixing in the pass and, you know, trying to bridge that gap with what was lost with Sean Tucker. And early in the year, it seemed like Syracuse had a little bit of something going, especially after that Purdue game. And then Schrader got banged up and it was kind of an adventure ever since. So then Dino is now the fall guy. I mean, we, we talked about Dino being on a little bit of thin ice the last couple of years, but always just kind of winning and just enough to stay off the complete proverbial hot seat. And now here he is. He there was really no talk nationally about, oh, is he going to get fired here? Because everybody mm-hmm. knew Schrader was really hurt. I mean, the last two weeks they're running a converted tight end out there playing quarterback and they're running the ball like 80 something percent of their snaps are are running plays. But like, we knew Schrader was hurt. Yeah, yeah, he was. And and maybe that's some of where, again, we have a user, the YMCA is in the in the chat and he's talking about you know, calling him Dino Blabber and saying, you know, he's uh, like some of his banter was, or he's like lying or whatever. I mean, yeah, like it's, it's clear at this point, your game plan makes no sense if we're supposed to believe that Garrett Schrader is healthy. Right. But I will say, I, I can't help but be impressed that you've basically gone and installed a new offense like mid season um, you, again, you're getting real creative with the personnel. You're doing a lot of things that are just like by the seat of your pants, basically, right? And like, and you're making it work. You yeah. won a game last week. You were on the precipice of, of you know taking a lead late on the road this week. The fact that it worked as well as it did, and you just kind of installed it on the fly, and you're you're totally improvising the personnel and all that. Like, I don't think that's the sign of a bad coach. No, no. It's a sign of a good coach. A very good coach. <laughs> sign of a good sign. coach. Yeah. You know. Yeah. No, I agree with you. Uh, the way they were able to adapt. Now, I think the argument from a Syracuse fan that wants to be cynical would be, well, why did it take him this long to adapt to what they had, right? Syracuse finally finds a little bit of offensive identity now late in the year. It really took until Garrett Trader getting hurt for him to find that, which I think is also a fair point. Right. Like maybe they should have been doing some more of this when Schrader was healthy and not trying to air the ball out 30 times a game. I get Mm -hmm. that argument as well. Uh, But I I just think Syracuse is a really hard job. And it's kind of like one of those things where it's like, be careful what you wish for, because we've seen a lot of really bad Syracuse football 
over the last 30 years, like mm-hmm. a lot. We saw a couple decent years with McNabb, and then what? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like they've been a they've been a bad program for a while, and they've been a decent program under Dino. Like, okay, I see the comment. He had two winning seasons in eight. Yeah, but one of those seasons he won ten games. Like, tell me the last time that happened at Syracuse. Like, this is this is just not like all of a sudden you're just going to go be a home run higher. I see Holy Cross is the man they need to get. I agree. Bob Chesney. Bob Chesney. Go get him. I agree. That that would be a fine hire. Uh I think he's probably better suited for Boston College, but that would be a fine hire for Syracuse. Uh, it is really just really hard to compete in Syracuse with the geography, their commitment to basketball, not football. There are a lot of barriers there. Uh, my buddy Ricky bringing that up uh, from my VT pod, of course. As bad as, AC- as bad as the ACC is, Syracuse has too many barriers to compete consistently. They can't be Louisville or Pitt. I agree. Like two other schools that, you know, have had pretty decent basketball programs historically. And Pitt is obviously known more as a football school than a basketball school. But Louisville's been known for most of their existence as a basketball school, especially with, you know, the Patino years, right? And mm-hmm. they've been able to compete on the football field in ways that Syracuse can't because there's really good football players in Kentucky and there's really good football players in Pennsylvania. In Ohio. Get them in, in Ohio, right? That you can get to go to Louisville and to Pittsburgh. Those guys aren't going to Syracuse, New York to play football. They're just not. They're not doing that. So you're you're developing regional three-star players and hoping they hit. Yeah. It's a tough job. It's a really tough job, especially now in the NIL and Portal era. Really tough. Like, yes, Marvin Harrison and Dwight Freeney did play there. Donovan McNabb played there. How long has that been? Like, it, it's been a long time. 30, you know? Literally and, 30 years. You know, you can you can go all the way into the the demographic shifts as you know people move south from the north and you know on and on and on. But the point is, it's again, it's it's tough to get talent there. And and to me, that's where the the name that makes the most sense to me. And I've said it before; I'll say it again. And I'm going to keep saying this name until they hire someone else. Dabo Swinney, Jeff Munkin. Okay. I I mean, if you can get Dabo, yeah, you know, I guess I, I'd take him over Jeff Munkin. But I wanted my Dabo joke to hit because we talked about Dabo <laughs> at A and M. I wanted the Dabo joke to hit. He's got he's got a closet full of orange, you know, yeah. so he could he could fit right in there. Um, go get Jeff Munkin. He's been in the state of New York. It's now it's a different part of New York. I get that, but like, I mean, a guy who again at the at the Army Academy, the United States Military Academy, there Army. Is. I mean having to work with personnel restrictions, you know, having to deal with things that uh, you don't just get any player that you want and having to get creative. And I, do I think that he would come in and run an explicitly wishbone, you know, or, or flexbone triple option offense? No, I don't. And he's tried to prove it this year as army has transitioned to something else, which by the way, it looks pretty bad early mm. starting to gel a little bit, Mike, better. they look okay. But in the last few weeks, like better, I, I, they run the I, option a little bit, by the way. Again, you could do so much worse than Jeff Munkin at that job, um, and I, I just that is that is such a fit for me. I think it would be such a good hire for Syracuse. I, I, I sent you all. I texted a, a, a tweet from Pete Thamel earlier today to, to you and Scott, 
And this is, I'm he said early, early names for Syracuse in no order. And Mike, I, I'm, I'm going to say this right now before I read these names. This is the most random list of names associated with a job that I can remember. He, he texted the three agents he's closest to that represent clients in the northeast part of the United States, and he got the names from those three guys. That's what like, happened. This is this is the most ridiculous list of names. Okay. Jason Candle, Bronco Mendenhall, Doug Marone, former Syracuse head coach, if I'm not mistaken. I was yeah, yes, he is. Tony White, Al Golden, Kurt Signetti, Jim Knowles, Sean Lewis, Bob Chesney, Liam Cohen, and Terrell Austin. Can you draw a single line through all of those names? <laughs> it's like, I don't know what that is. Like, could I mean, are, are half of those like pretty good names? Could I see it? Yeah, sure. But like half of those are also like, guys who have uh, they've already coached at Syracuse. Yeah, Sean Lewis, former Dino Babers offensive coordinator. Oh, they're going to go back to the well with the air raid. You brought this up. Tony like, White, oh, that, recent Tony defensive White, coordinator. Literally, like recent, like in the last year, like he was a defensive mm-hmm. coordinator. Doug Marone, former Syracuse head coach. Like, what are we doing? Paul Pascaloni, why wasn't he on the list? He's still Al alive, Golden. right? Is he still alive? He's still with us? <laughs> I don't like, know. Al Golden couldn't win at Miami. Sure, it'll go great in it's Syracuse. Like, like what are we doing? <laughs> what are we doing? <laughs> I don't get it. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Do I think do I think Bronco Mendenhall could win there? Probably. Yeah. I think he'd probably pull something together. He's won everywhere he's been. I mean, he was winning at UVA before he decided to retire. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know. Um I, I wouldn't go after any of those before I went after uh, Jeff Munkin, but who knows? I I don't get to run that search. So um one other thing I'll, I'll mention, by the way, that I, I don't think helped Dino is that, again, he he kind of came off that uh, Bryles Baylor offense tree and ran a similar type of offense. And I don't think it helped that that offense has not aged very well in in recent years in college football. It is not as effective as it was 10 years ago at Baylor. Right. Um, you know, it seems like people have or different coordinators and such have gotten more and more accustomed to defending it and they. Uh, it has not been as as turnkey effective, um, so I, I don't think that's helped either. As you know, there's been things that have kind of gone against Dino. Yeah, I think that's fair. Although I will say, like, I feel like Dino is next stop, assuming it's like a Group of Five head coaching job, or if he's just going to go be an offensive coordinator somewhere. There will likely be more resources at his disposal, even yep. at some Group of Five jobs, and there were at Syracuse. That's just a fact. Like, yep. That, that's why the Jason Candle name didn't make a whole lot of sense. I texted you guys this earlier. Like when you see Jason Candle on the list, Jason Candle is Toledo's head coach. For those of you who are not aware, Toledo's 10 and 10 and one, right? They're probably going to win the back, right? If they don't, mm-hmm. they're, I mean, they're in the Mac championship game. So you're going to hire Jason Candle. They are a very pass heavy offense. They run a scheme semi-similar to what Dino just tried to run at Syracuse. So you're going to just hire another Mac coach to go run something similar? Sure. Why not? It's got to be, but I will say it's got to be a guy who can develop talent. That's not necessarily a recruiter, right? It doesn't really matter as much, but it's a guy who's used to resource constraints. So maybe a group of five head coach again is, is the way to go resource constraints and a developer of talent. So Munkin makes sense. Mm Mm-hmm. In some ways, ironically, Jason Candle does make sense, right? But 
going back to Sean Lewis, who's going to run the exact same offense, probably doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Like going back to Doug Marone, who I don't even know what Marone's doing right now. That doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Like Al Golden. What? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, doing great at Notre Dame, but what the hell? So yep. I don't know. So that's the Syracuse side. Anyway, there, there's a lot going on there. Georgia yeah. Tech's bowl eligible real quick. I, I didn't mean to take Syracuse for 15 Mike, minutes here, but I told you, I told you <laughs> the jackets had it in the bag. They were not going to lose this game. This was, this was always going to happen. It was on lock from the beginning. Jackets take care of business. Just like we always knew that they would. Let's go. Bowl let, eligible jackets. Let the record show that I was the one who picked Georgia Tech to win this game. Joey picked Syracuse. But yes. You have to check the tape on that one. I don't no. know. I don't know. I don't remember it that way. I I don't see I don't see why you would, you know? Yeah. Uh, you know. Um yeah, this was a uh I mean it was a good game from Georgia Tech, I thought in general. Um Syracuse, again, I, I was impressed with the effort. I was impressed with the coaching and the, and the scheming. Uh, it did end up coming up short, but I mean, the, the way that Syracuse came out of halftime and, and just super effective running the ball down Georgia Tech, Georgia Tech's throats, basically. Um, Jackets, again, they, they get out to a 17-3 to lead at halftime. Syracuse fumbles the opening kickoff to the second half. Georgia Tech picks it up. Uh, they one play, 30 yards. Jamal Haynes up the middle to the house. Uh, after that, Syracuse, I mean, they controlled most of this game for the you know next probably 20 minutes of it or so. Um, yeah. The entire third quarter and then the early part of the fourth quarter, this just felt like it was slipping away. I was having such a bad time watching this game and watching Syracuse convert third and two, third and three, fourth and one, like – over and over and over yeah. and um you know it it just really felt like this was going to be a, a you know a heartbreaking embarrassing loss and i tweeted out so syracuse scores a touchdown they they have to go for two so they th- i felt like something that kind of important that had happened earlier in the game was syracuse scores a touchdown um this was i think early in the third quarter they go out for the extra point uh holder drops the snap mm-hmm. can't can't get the ball down uh, picks it up. He's stuffed. So it's the try is no good. So that puts Syracuse kind of chasing points a little bit. So they have to go for two, trying to tie the game at 24. They don't get it. So now they're down two. At that point, I tweeted out, Georgia Tech needs to sustain a drive here because they're, the offense had more or less gone three and out every single drive since basically scoring on the first play of, of the second half. Um, not only do they sustain a drive here, Mike, they go nine plays, 75 yards, touchdown. They burn over five minutes off the clock uh, with a little bit less than eight to play when they picked it up. Um, I had been talking to a couple people at that point. You have got to get Haynes King involved in the run game because he had been minimally involved to that point. Uh, that drive, <laughs> Haynes King has like five carries, picks up probably 30, 35 yards, multiple first downs. Like Half his carries for the game were on that drive. Yeah, like the, the, up until that point, again, the entire second half, this offense has been struggling, and now all of a sudden, a little bit of a hot knife through butter situation uh, with, with that run game. And so Brent Key said afterwards he had no intention of throwing a single pass on that drive. It was just just run the ball, do not turn it over, do not make mistakes. Um, so they, they get in the end zone, they score a touchdown with about a minute and a half left, I think, maybe a little over two minutes, sorry. Um, Syracuse comes back out. And at that point, down uh, down nine points. Uh, 
they realized that the the Dan Valari offense just you know run left, run right, run up the middle that had been working. You don't have enough time to score twice with under two and a half minutes to play. So they put in Luke McPhail, who <laughs> <laughs> that name that name's fitting, huh? That's a name. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's like uh oh, who was the Pittsburgh kicker a few years ago? Blewett, Chris Blewett, Chris yeah, Blewett, was, which he was actually a really good kicker, so that was not actually an appropriate name. But no. um, Luke McPhail comes in, uh, takes the first snap, throws a pass, intercepted. Kyle Kyle Eford, McPhail, uh, yeah, he did, he did. Um, Georgia Tech runs a couple of plays. They they get down to the one yard line. They take a knee, and this game has been really chippy throughout. By the way, and I just. Thought it was kind of funny the way this all happened. So been very chippy, multiple unsportsmanlike conduct, un- unnecessary roughness penalties like on both sides. Uh, Horace Lockett for Georgia Tech was ejected for spitting, um, like spitting on someone else, basically. Like it was, it was very chippy. But with the game over, I mean, like 40 seconds left or something, you know, Haynes King takes a snap, takes a knee on the one-yard line. And a Syracuse defensive tackle blows through the line, basically trying to mess something up, trying to start something. And I thought it was funny afterwards, you know, the, on the ACC huddle, basically. And I'll, I'll stop going off on this here in a minute. But um, they asked Brent Key about taking a knee at the one-yard line. He talked about having a lot of respect for Dino Babers and what he's been able to accomplish at Syracuse. And, and again, tough job and that kind of thing. And um, – so he said, you know, he wanted to make it a point, didn't need to run up the score there. And then at some point someone asked him basically, you know, well, what about when, uh, when the kid came, you know, basically starting stuff there in the middle at the very end, he's like, yeah, we were going to punch it in on the next play. Like, <laughs> it was like, all right, well, if you want to play that way, then we'll, uh, you know, yeah. we won't be as respectful, I guess, basically, but, um, they, they ended up just, the clock ended up running out and that was it. So, um, yeah, Georgia Tech gets the bowl eligibility. I, I was impressed that they were able to pull it together there in the fourth quarter after getting out to a big lead it felt like it was slipping away but they uh, they made plays when it came down to it and um huge win for them huge win for the program it's um again this is their first time they're going to a bowl game since paul johnson's final year they went to the uh the little caesars bowl or the motor city bowl or whatever the hell um in detroit basically um lost to a minnesota team that was um, they weren't that good that year, but that was about a year before they were like a 10 win team. Uh, got a nice introduction to Muhammad Ibrahim, who was a freshman at that point. So good not player. a great experience. First time going to a bowl game in five years. And that's, that's pretty great. Um, last thing I'll point out, uh, our buddy Robert Binion from, from the rumble seat tweets out since 1997, Georgia tech has made a bowl game in 22 out of 23 seasons when Jeff Collins was not the head coach. Very true. They yeah. were 0 for 4 in seasons when he was the head coach. I mean, that those advanced analytics, you can't get anywhere else. Yep. Just facts. Yeah. Just facts. Um, yeah. So, uh, good win for Georgia Tech. Um, tough loss for Syracuse. Dan Valari was 14 for 14 for 59 yards. That is yeah. an all-time stat line. I cannot wait to hand out an award to him later. LaQuinn Allen, 27 carries for 120 yards and two scores. Valari, 12 carries, 81 yards and a score. Um, those guys were were impressive in the run game, honestly. So, um, yeah, that's all. I'll Dub. stop talking about it now. Dub. Yep. All right. Let's go Georgia here Georgia Tech, next. 31, Syracuse, 22. Georgia Tech going to a bowl game. Let's go here next. Florida State, 58. North Alabama, 13. 
Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Mm-hmm. Uh, I obviously want to talk about the Travis injury, but mm-hmm. what I want to talk about that would have been more relevant, I guess, if Travis remained healthy, was the fact that Florida State was trailing this game 13 to nothing and Travis was still in, and it, this wasn't like Florida State was trailing by two scores because Travis got hurt. No, they, they were trailing by two scores before he got hurt, and this is just another Florida State slow start. Now, that point would be a lot more relevant, I guess, and something that I want to point out is like a, a pattern for them if then Jordan Travis didn't snap his leg, which mm-hmm. really just... It takes the air out of the sails, right? This mm-hmm. is, or the wind out of the sails, I guess. Sayings. Yeah. This is tough. I mean, I can't believe I need to make this point, but I've been seeing it on, on Twitter, and I can't believe I have to say this. If Florida State wins the next two games, they beat Florida in the season finale, and they beat Louisville in the ACC title game, and they are 13-0, and Florida State is going to the college football playoff and they deserve to be there. Yep. I cannot believe that I have to make this point and hammer it home. But at some point, the results on the field matter. It doesn't matter if your quarterback is not going to be there for the college football playoff and you're not going to get the game that you want in the semifinal. Like, as a fan, I'm sorry it turned out that way for you. Florida State goes 13 0 and they win their power conference. They are going to the college football playoff. That's how this works. At some point, the results on the field have to matter. There has never been in the 14 playoff era. There has never been an undefeated power five conference champion that has not gone to the playoff. Has not gone to the playoff. And that will not change this year. Power five conference champion, 13 and 0. You're in the playoff. Full stop. That's it. You're in the playoff. You will be in the playoff this year. I cannot believe we have to make that point known. Now, what I will also say is that I did not think Florida State was a true threat to win the national title, and neither did Joey. We've right. made that point known for probably two months. We, we made it actually in the preseason. We were talking yeah. about Florida State, and we we're like, I don't think they have the full ceiling of some of these other top teams in the country. And that was before we saw what Washington's been doing, what Oregon's been doing. I don't think Florida State, even with Jordan Travis, was a true national championship contender because... They get off to starts like they did on Saturday, down 13 and nothing to an FCS team that was four and seven on the year mm-hmm. or three and seven, whatever it was coming into the game. So I guess three and yeah. seven, they're, they're three and eight now. Like that is why I don't think Florida State is a national title contender. None of the other contenders are doing this week in and week out. They're simply yeah. not doing this, right? Like, There's a definitely some- like lack of focus component to Florida State that we have, we've talked about it numerous times in, all, in a lot of the games they've played for a lot of this year. Right. Right. So that's my Florida State rant. Obviously, without Jordan Travis, this is not the same team. But if they win the next two, they 1000% deserve to be in the playoff. I'm sorry you're not going to get the the game that you wanted with Travis in a quarterback. We're all really upset about Jordan Travis injury, right? Extremely unfortunate. 
I hate it for him. Like uh, it's been well known that he almost quit football a couple of years ago and was at a really low point in his football career and mentally where he was at comes back and fringe Heisman contender, uh, unbelievable year last year, really good year this year. Mm-hmm. It sucks to see an injury like that Yeah, to a guy as talented as he is. It sucks. And who's um, yeah, come as far as he has and has given the game and the conference and the school and all that as much as he has. I mean, sucks. yeah, just this is this is one of the worst people I could think of that this could happen to. I mean, just yeah. incredibly unfortunate. Yeah. So tough. This yeah. is really tough. Uh, so Florida State, I don't think is like seriously in the national championship conversation. We only have really the only other precedent for something like this is mm-hmm. Cardell Jones. And Cardell Jones had more runway than this, right? Yeah. Um, it wasn't this late in the year when he had to take over the starting quarterback job. Was it? I not? think it was. I think it was. I think it was a couple weeks earlier. I think it was like earlier in November. I'd have I to go back. Either the Michigan that. or the Big Ten championship game. Even I'm yeah. Like, sure. Yeah, it was like the last three games. It was like the last game of the year, the conference title game, and the playoffs. I think. Okay. So it. so maybe yeah. So maybe not. Maybe not. But. Um. Yeah, I mean, we've made it clear at this point and have all, like you said, all season going back to the preview, the season previews, like don't think Florida State has what it takes to win the national title. Um, do think they might have what it takes to get to the playoff. And and here mm-hmm. we are. Um, so two things I want to call out. Number one, we need to be very clear in, in talking about what makes a playoff team. The, the committee says that they pick the four best teams, but like – who's better is is more of like a tiebreaker i feel like they're they're picking the four best resumes they have to mm-hmm. so if you've got two very comparable comparable resumes yeah then you pick the better team but like if you wanted just the four best teams this would be like two to three conferences almost every year right like yeah so it's it's not that it's not about who's the best team it's about you know who who has the best resume who has the best wins etc number one Number two, if you'll remember in the last week or so, um, we we were talking about it, and I floated that if Louisville were to were to win out, go twelve and one, win the ACC, that they might have a case to make the college football playoff. I don't want to talk about that right here, Mike. What I do want to talk about is what mm-hmm. I said: is if Louisville gets into the playoff, Louisville fans need to treat that as it is just total. It's nice to be here, happy to be here. I have zero expectations. <laughs> Because Florida State, up until this point, I feel like we could, you know, you can kind of squint and turn your eyes, you know, turn your head a little bit and say, like, they could maybe win a playoff game. Mm-hmm. Don't think they could win two, right? Like, but on the right night, you know, a couple of things go their way, whatever. Like, they, they've got some guys they could win a playoff game, probably. Without Jordan Travis, they are not winning a playoff game, Mike. Nope. Not happening. Absolutely nope. not. So. Nope. You're, you're very much getting into that, like, just happy to be here, like, you know, enjoy yourself while you're here kind of territory, I think. Yeah. Uh, anything beyond that would be a surprise to me. Yeah. So. Yep. Agreed. Tough. Brutal. Um, but, yeah. Otherwise, I, I don't have a whole lot here other than. No. Yeah. Florida State kind of unfocused to, beginning the game, to begin the game. And then, yeah, that is a season-changing injury to Jordan Travis at a, at a awful time unfortunately yeah it's like does the end result is the end result going to change all that much in terms of like if florida state gets to the college football playoff like does the end result that we think 
is going to happen, going to change all that much? Probably not. But there's a difference between what you just said, going into the game feeling like you have a chance, and then going into the game just being happy to be there. Mm-hmm. Which, with Jordan Travis, this is a team that always had a chance, right? Mm-hmm. Even if we didn't think that they were national championship good. So Yeah, agreed. Yeah. Florida State 58, North Alabama 13. Uh, let's get another quick one out of the way. Notre Dame 45, Wake Forest 7. Yeah. Not a ton here other than Wake is just in an abyss at quarterback, man. I don't mm-hmm. I don't know. Michael Kern was 11 of 20 for 81 yards. Jamal Banks threw a pass here. <laughs> uh, and had a higher QBR. Empty, empty the playbook funny. in a game like this, I guess. Empty, yeah, empty the playbook. Uh, yeah, you locked this up. Congratulations mm-hmm. on that win. I should have joined you on that. I was thank considering you, it, and I didn't pull the trigger. I mean, th- this is this is really rough. Wake had 98 yards passing. Uh, Notre Dame, I, I this was a quad box game for me, so mm-hmm. it had a bit of my attention, but got out of hand quickly in the second half, obviously. Yeah. This was the... Sam Hartman, I use it lightly because he didn't really leave Wake Forest on bad terms, but this is like the Sam Hartman revenge game, quote-unquote. At least a reunion game. Yeah. Uh, Obviously, he's still cool with Clawson. You know, they were talking pregame and all that stuff. It's no ill will there, but he was... I do wonder a little bit, if if there are Wake Forest fans listening to this right now, I'm a little curious as to how you look at Sam Hartman right now and... You know, he spent a lot of time at Wake Forest. He did well and, and then transfers up to a big boy like this. And feels like there's been a bit of uh, extra, I don't know, bravado or, you know, a little bit of extra confidence there in play. And I, I could see being a Wake Forest fan, and that just kind of would rub me the wrong way of watching him walk around like the big man on campus and being like, you know, don't forget where you come from or something like that. Yeah, they're certainly feeling a little bit differently about it now that Wake Forest really hasn't found a quarterback. I'd, I'd mm-hmm. certainly be upset they left. Yep, yep. So, yeah, I don't have a whole lot here. Again, this this was kind of close in, in the first half, but really it was more just, uh, you know, relatively low number of possessions. Yeah. Uh, Notre Dame misses a field goal early on, but that was on an 11-play, 51-yard drive, like – had moved the ball pretty well, score two touchdowns, kick a field goal, and a half is over. And, yeah. you know, uh, so it's it's like the scoreboard said it was close, but like you said earlier, Mike, it's it wasn't actually that close. It wasn't actually in question. And, um, yeah, I, I don't have a whole lot here other than that. No. No. Wake's bad. Yeah, tough year for the Deeks. Real, real tough. Notre Dame 45, Wake 7. Let's hit ads ads home field apparel collegiate licensed very comfortable apparel use promo code go acc at checkout extremely comfortable use promo code go acc at checkout homefieldapparel.com 15 percent off your first order sick bomber jackets sick sweatshirts tees hats you name it they got it for all of the current ACC schools, and they have some stuff for Cal and for SMU. We're still waiting on the Stanford line, but Homefield Apparel has everything you could possibly need this holiday season, right? Because they're pushing holiday sales. Mm-hmm. They got, you know, special, I mean, they, they got the mini collections that come out for the big games. 
uh, but they got holiday sales as well, special holiday collections as well. Homefieldapparel.com. Use the promo code GOACC at checkout for 15% off your first order. Really mm-hmm. appreciate all of their support. Absolutely. We are also sponsored by Vivid Seats. We're running out of college football, regular season games anyway, but that doesn't mean that you still can't use our promo code BCPOD20 at checkout. $20 off your first order, $200 or more at VividSeats.com. You want to catch a game rivalry week? You don't want to go to the ACC title game, Louisville, Florida State. Want to go mm-hmm. to some bowl games? Jackets fans, bowl eligible jackets. Want to go to the pinstripe bowl, which is probably in the running for Georgia Tech? I say Jackets fans, you want to go to Yankee Stadium after Christmas? Want to go to Christmas? Yankee Stadium? Hell yeah. Use promo code BCPOD20. $20 off your first order, $200 or more. If you're a living, breathing organism in 2023 heading into 2024, you're probably going to spend $200 on tickets. So at mm-hmm. least get $20 off with our promo code. really helps us out. Use the link in the description of this YouTube video to do get that. to the landing page for the site. Really important that you do that. really helps us out. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that link will also be in our episode description wherever you hear your podcast. If you're listening to the audio version, not watch us on YouTube. So want to hit that yep. as well. Really important you do that. Please do. Please do. Mike, I'm where to? Well, oh, I'm sorry, I'm Scott. Add to that. I think Homefield already started their Cyber Monday Black Friday deal. So use the link in the description, take that deal, and we'll still get credit for it. There it is. Yep. There it is. That's twenty percent off for twenty percent off for Black Friday as well at homefieldapparel.com. Bang. Use the link below. Do it. Beautiful. Pittsburgh twenty four. Boston College, 16. Bang, 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 you're dead. It gives me no pleasure to report that Boston College has lost yet another game to a terrible football team. <laughs> you can tell it gives Mike no pleasure because it that big grin on his face right now. Big shit eating grin. Gives me no pleasure. I'm going to use that phrase. I'm trying to help Scott not edit. but, yeah, uh, but that he, doesn't, he doesn't have to add that one out. Our, ad, our advertisers will understand. <laughs> Coming the right plight. off the ad reads. This is this is the plight. Yeah, coming right, coming right off the ad reads. That's exactly right. This is the uh, this is the plight of Mike McDaniel. This is kind of what I have to deal with, right? <laughs> it's my cross to bear, so to speak, that I have to deal with Boston College fans in the mentions. We mentioned this briefly off the top, but Boston College fans have a way of getting extremely confident when they barely win games against like Army and. Uh, I don't know. Holy Cross and Virginia. Holy Cross and Virginia. And, you know, I, it's interesting, right? Because Boston College's next head coach could have been at Holy Cross. Could still be, you know? Who's mm-hmm. to say that Jeff Halfley is not still on the hot seat with the way this team is performing? Because at Boston College, it's fantastic to make a bowl game. But you should be making a bowl game with that trash-ass non-conference schedule. <laughs> and my God, man. Did their fans get a little bit overconfident and go spewing off a bunch of garbage on the timeline? And all of a sudden, you look up and you're trailing to two and eight Pittsburgh in the fourth quarter. You know, mm-hmm. just makes you wonder. Pittsburgh started their third different quarterback in this game. A man named and, Nate. Yeah, Nate Yarnell. Sure. Why not? I think they came out of the creative player name generator, but that's just me. I don't know. When the uh, 
when the reporters are asking Pat Narduzzi, when the, when this third when this third different quarterback plays so well that the reporters are asking Pat Narduzzi if he regrets not starting him all along, that's when you know your defense had a really bad night. <laughs> you know, this is one of the best passing lines a Pitt quarterback has had all year. Says a hell of a lot about BC, doesn't it? Eleven for nineteen for two oh seven and a touchdown, like averaging almost eleven yards an attempt. Like Phil Dracovic could never. Which, by the way, we completely whiffed on that. This this was the Phil Dracovic bowl, and he didn't even make an appearance. Like <laughs> weird that's, times in the ACC. That's Pittsburgh backup tight end Phil Dracovic to you. <laughs> uh, yeah, I like. So here's the thing is like Pittsburgh scored 24 points here. That's three touchdowns and a field goal for the people doing the math at home. Mm -hmm. Two of those touchdowns, Mike, were over 60 yard plays. One of them was a bad coverage bust, a, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, basically blown coverage on a a pass that went over the top and wide open, nothing but green grass in front of, I believe it was Bub means. Mm -hmm. Um, Then in the fourth quarter, it's a it's an eight point or sorry it's a one point game, and Boston College kicks a field goal makes it a one point game. They kick off. It's at the pit twenty five. They run one play, get nine yards. Next play from the thirty four, Rodney Hammond Jr. basically up the middle, uh, broke like one tackle and then was just gone. And it was like, again, you just had another massive bust for a sixty four yard touchdown or a sixty six yard touchdown, whatever it was, like. That's kind of a hard pill to swallow is yeah. you know, you're playing a, a low scoring game like this. You're struggling to move the ball. Defense is playing well, but then it's just two little busted plays cost you the game like that. That sucks for Boston College. Yeah, uh, it really does. But this is what happens. Yeah, this is what happens. I, BC, also- B- BC's bad, dude. <laughs> like, I don't I, I don't want to beat a dead horse, but like their defense has been underwhelming and mm-hmm. offensively the whole like Castellanos run around and just like throw up a prayer offense has not been working. Like he had two more interceptions in this game. They yeah. don't have it. They don't have a plan offensively. Yeah. Like this is the third or fourth straight game. I've watched them where I feel like they go in and they don't know really what it is. They're trying to execute. At least it doesn't look that way. It's, bailing out of a clean pocket because they still protect him pretty well. Mm-hmm. It's bailing out of a clean pocket. It's, you know, scramble drill. It's one receiver. You know, it's like a one read offense when he gets outside the pocket. Like I have no idea what their plan is. I mean, Mike, you know, like half the reason that he's constantly bailing out of the pocket. He's listed at five ten. Yeah listed at 510 which means he's probably actually like five eight and a half or something like that which yeah you can't see over your lineman like that's it'll be a big off season in the weight room for castellanos too by the way i know we're talking yeah. about his height but so from a to get taller i don't know <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah doing a lot of stretching i um i, I thought that the the moment that still sticks out in my head that was like the worst moment of this game i thought for for i'll say for boston college but really for castle uh Castellano specifically was late in the third quarter Eagles on a drive. Uh, they've gone eight plays, 57 yards. They've got the ball down first and 10 on the 18 yard line in the red zone. 
And Thomas Castellanos fires a pass down to like the two yard line. And I believe I texted you and Scott about this. And I said, it looks like Castellanos just tried to throw that ball directly through the torso of two different pit defenders on the way to his receiver. It was intercepted and it was like, it was triple coverage. I was like, I don't know what he saw, but that was one of the more atrocious decisions that you'll see a quarterback make. And, um, I mean, again, you were definitely in clear field goal range and you're going to come up with nothing on first yeah. down there. Like that's, that was a tough moment on just, again, a terrible decision. I thought. Yeah. Real bad. Yeah. Real bad. Uh, end dance, 133, 17 carries, 21 yards rushing for Castellanos is not going to work. The one thing I do want to say about Pittsburgh's defense is they played the whole, we're going to spy Castellanos and make sure he's not the one that beats us, which and they sacked him six times, by the way. If you watch if you watch the Virginia Tech film, yeah, I, I meant to mention that. I, I said that they protect Castellanos pretty well. This game notwithstanding. Pitt <laughs> got after that ass a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. Uh the whole thing with BC is if you keep Castellanos in the pocket, or if you at least contain him and make life difficult for him outside of the pocket, you're going to have some success. Mm-hmm. Stop the design quarterback runs and limit what he does to you outside of the pocket, and you're going to have a lot of success defensively. It's what Virginia Tech did two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Like This has been a theme now for Boston College in their losses this year. The teams that have been successful in slowing down Castellanos are the ones that have had a lot of success against Boston College offense because they don't have a good running game, and they don't really have a reliable passing game. It's It's the scramble offense. They don't have a plan. Is it reckless to call Thomas Castellanos like Kyler Murray light? Because it kind of looks like that, right? Like kind of undersized, scrambling, slippery quarterback that, uh, you know, like how much do you want him playing within the structure versus how much do you just want him doing his thing playing backyard football? Like, I don't know. Kyler Murray, obviously a very good quarterback. Mike, do you know what Pittsburgh's games at West Virginia, at Virginia Tech, at Wake Forest, and at home against Syracuse had in common with this game? (laughs) No. What what would that be? Those four games had combined the same number of sacks as they had in this game. That would be six. By the way, that's partially saying, like, this has not been the pit team that we have seen in recent years because – Six sacks in a game is is a lot. It's really not that much for Pitt what we've gotten used to in recent years. But uh, yeah, hadn't been that kind of year. But yeah, they uh, this is kind of some vintage Pitt here from a uh, pass rushing standpoint. I will uh, just circling back on your whole comparison you're trying to make with Castellanos to Kyler Murray, which was mm-hmm. a little bit reckless. How about De'Ara King? <laughs> there it is. De'Ara King light. De'Ara King light. Just really not a uh, not a compliment. Not when he started playing real competition. Yeah, definitely not. I like that one there. Pitt twenty four, Boston College sixteen. NC State thirty five, Virginia Tech twenty eight. Uh, mentioned this in the rundown at the start of the show. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm looking at it. Look at that comment. Yes. We're we're both laughing at the same thing right now at the comment on the screen, the YMCA. Yes, Castellanos is better than Kyler Murray. <laughs> sure, I'll have what he's having. Not, 
obviously I've been drinking during this podcast tonight and I I'm still sober enough to know that that's certainly not the case. Uh, NC State's defense really good here uh, in making Virginia Tech work for everything they needed to get in the first half. Uh, the Virginia Tech offense really struggled early in this game at sustaining drives. You couple that with the fact that Virginia Tech's defense uh, having a lot of issues with NC State's running game. Like we knew coming in that NC State was kind of a two trick pony. It was whatever Brian Armstrong gives you in the running game and whatever Casey Concepcion gives you in the running game slash receiving game. He's kind of their like do everything gadget player. Mm-hmm. Tech didn't stop either one of those guys. Right. Yeah. And I, I tweeted about this. Joey, I know you saw it. This is the first time this year I thought the primary reason why Virginia Tech lost the game was because they got out coached, right? Mm-hmm. Anytime you lose a game, coaching plays into it. And there have been other games this year where I've questioned some coaching decisions and the way things have gone for Virginia Tech. But this was the first time where I could point to the opponent and be like, those guys didn't necessarily have the dudes and they killed you specifically on offense, right? Mm-hmm. Like, NC State's defense, very good. We've made that known. Mm-hmm. NC State's offense, not very good. Yeah. And they don't really have the dudes. Mm-hmm. And they killed Virginia Tech here. Like, they made life hell mm-hmm. on Virginia Tech's defense. Hokies have had trouble this year with, with gap integrity, right? In the losses where they've struggled to stop the run, gap integrity. And the issues have come up with a linebacker core where you have a middle linebacker, a Mike linebacker playing out of position, right? The the starting Mike linebacker, Alan Tisdale, is an outside linebacker. He's playing Mike because they haven't had any stability there. You've been rotating at the outside linebacker roles all year long. They don't have the dues there yet. And yep. that's something they need. They need to hit the portal hard there. It's clear against teams like Florida State and Louisville. And even in the Marshall and Rutgers losses where like those teams have two really good running backs that the issues in the linebacking core are exposed. Mm -hmm. But this is like the proof that they really need to turn over that unit in the offseason, like a Mm -hmm. full on reset, go to the portal, develop some of the young guys, continue to recruit behind them and develop those guys. They need a full-on reset in the linebacking core because this is the first game where I was like, NC State doesn't have the dudes, but they still killed you, and they exposed the linebacking group that has been an issue all year, especially against like better competition. But just flat out, Robert and I just coached circles around Virginia Tech defensive coordinator Chris Marv. Like, use of pre-snap motion, getting the linebackers shifting around, not knowing what their assignment was. And it led to a lot of chunk plays by Brandon Armstrong on runs straight up the middle. Yeah. And it killed, yep. it killed Virginia tech. It was very frustrating to watch, but it was like time and time again, I was like, they're not going to correct this today. And yep. I thought tech got out coached, but also a part of me is thinking like Marv is under the tutelage of Brett Pry. Like Pry still called the defense for most of the last year. Virginia Tech fans were calling for Chris Marv's head after this game because that's what they do after the after losses. They just like call for everybody to be fired. <laughs> they were calling for Chris Marv's head after this game. And I had a thought that crossed my mind. I was like, Chris Marv is under the tutelage of Brent Pry, right? Pry is still mm-hmm. probably still like semi-involved in the defense. Yep. Like 
these two guys aren't idiots. What if the players just aren't any good? Yeah. <laughs> like, what if the linebacking core just sucks and yeah. they don't take coaching well? And what if they just need a full-on reset there? Maybe that's the case. So, highly, highly relatable, by the way, as a Georgia Tech fan, talking about how embarrassingly bad the linebacker core is. So, so even, so even if you say you don't have the dudes at linebacker, and again, <laughs> want to make this clear, not a talent issue in this particular game. It's been a talent issue, though, that's played Virginia Tech in their losses this year. So they're related, but they're not, right? Like, maybe the guys aren't any good, and they're not taking the coaching well, which is why they still screw up the same stuff over and over and over and over again. So we can mm-hmm. point to coaching all we want, but at some point, like maybe give them some time to get some players in there that are worth a damn, you know? Yeah. Yep. So I thought Virginia Tech lost to a better team here. It's really funny. I was looking at the uh, advanced analytics after the game. Virginia Tech and NC State in this game. And it's pretty funny because I think a lot of this speaks to the success of Virginia Tech's offense in the fourth quarter. Virginia Tech and NC State both averaged 0.14 expected points added per play offensively in this game. They ended both at the at basically at level, right? They were even expected points added per play, which I, I think speaks to Virginia Tech's offense in the fourth quarter. The fact that NC State ran a shit ton more plays here. Yeah, but the Hokies were in a tough spot because they did not play very good complimentary football in the first half. Yeah. And this is one of those games where like NC state's really well coached. Dave Doran, in my opinion is ACC coach of the year. Um, I, I think yeah. they'll probably give it, they'll probably give it to Norvell because, you know, especially if, you know, Florida state wins next week, they win the ACC. They're going to give it to Norvell, especially with a Travis injury. But in my opinion, Dave Doran's coach of the year, like revolving door at quarterback issues at the skill positions. And they figured it out. They mm-hmm. got eight wins. They have a great chance to get nine next week against UNC. Uh, he can coach, Joey. Best pure coaching job of the season, I think, yeah, is Dave Doran at NC State. Um, and you've said I would it put too? Him up, I, and I'd put him up with um, – you mentioned Mike Norvell. I'd, I'd be, honestly be a little surprised if he gets it. I think the other big candidate there would be Jeff Brom. At yeah, that's fair. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. That's but, fair. Um, but I, I, you said this earlier this year. This is like – has the potential to be one of Dave Doran's best coaching jobs since oh, yeah. he's been at Raleigh. Yeah. At NC state. Completely. Completely. Um, yeah. It's wild. Like the, the way that we've thought about NC state talked about NC state, kind of a half team quarterbacks, a rotating door, new coordinator offense. Isn't really gelling at all. And then you look up and NC state's eight and three. Yeah. Like, dude, that's, I, I got nothing to say about Dave ball, Doran after that. Ball coach. Mm-hmm. Ball yeah. coach. You deserve every bit of the credit here. Um, I do just want to call out that, yeah, again, this is a 35-28 final score. It didn't really feel that that close because for the first three quarters of this game, Virginia Tech really just like could not sustain a drive. Um, mm-hmm. They had two touchdowns on drives that combined for three plays for 120-some yards, basically. like Definitely sustainable. So you had that, but like other than that, I mean, it's a bunch of three and outs, four and outs, five and outs. You know, NC State controls this game, had the ball for over 40 minutes. Um, NC State goes seven for 15 on third down. Virginia Tech goes one for seven. Like, so it's that's kind of the way that this happened is it, it, it was away, it, it got away from Virginia Tech. And then, yeah, there was kind of a late comeback effort, but um, it, it 
feels like NC State let off the gas a little bit to, to get it to that point. So um, I the only other thing I'm going to mention here, Mike, and I, I really try not to do this all that often. I, I Lord knows I'm not right very frequently on this podcast, but yes. I think my uh, my assessment of this game ended up being like pretty spot much spot on. on. Spot pretty on. much spot on. Yeah. Um, not only picking NC State to win outright, but also said, aren't we kind of overdue for a Brendan Armstrong good game? And uh, we were. It's kind of exactly what happened. Um, I and- am the smartest man alive! <laughs> this, undid, this undid your really inaccurate take with the Georgia Tech game. So <laughs> makes me feel good. <laughs> makes yeah. me feel good that uh, you were inaccurate, but your team still made it to bowl eligibility. <laughs> but you're accurate and my team is still searching for it now going into a hell game in Charlottesville next week. So that'll be a lot of that, fun. That is going to, <laughs> that is not going to be a fun three hours of uh, viewing experience for you. That is for no. sure. Or, or it could be a lot of fun potentially that, that that's also yeah. on the table with the way this team has played this year. We'll so see if that. Yeah. Yeah. You, you, you need Virginia tech to get up early and just coast. Uh, if that's a game in the fourth quarter, you're, you're going to be, miserable watching that if it's a game in the fourth quarter i'm not going to be feeling very good about where things are headed yep 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 uh don't don't fire anybody virginia tech jesus just give it no just give it time this is they've got five wins in year two this team was terrible last year this team was terrible in september they beat this team. Yeah, great point. This team was terrible this year. They've gotten better. Like, this team was terrible this year. They've answered a lot of questions. They, they have a quarterback. Number one, that's a big question answered. Mm-hmm. They got a quarterback who's got like multiple years of eligibility left. Mm-hmm. Like, let's not fire everybody. All right. Yeah. Let's let's just. I, th- they've answered the questions of finding a quarterback and like developing talent as the years gone on and like improving. Yeah. Okay. So they haven't beaten anybody worth a damn. Totally agree. Were they expected to this year? If you thought Virginia Tech was going to win seven or eight games, that's your problem. <laughs> that's not my problem. We didn't say that. No. You and I, you and I, neither one of us thought Virginia Tech was making a bowl game this year. I, I was going to say, going back to season preview season, it was like you said four and eight. I said five and seven. Yeah, I would have needed pretty good odds to bet on Virginia Tech making a bowl game. And um, they're they're kind of on the doorstep here. Like they are outperforming my expectations for sure. And now they're going to Scott Stadium to play a team they've beaten twenty three of the last twenty five times they've played them. Mm-hmm. What more could you ask for to try to make a bowl game in year two? What more could you possibly ask for? I guess beating NC State would have been good. I mean, it would have been, yeah. But again, I I don't I don't blame them. I'm not upset that they didn't. Like I, it's understandable. It's but. fine. They haven't beaten a good team in two years. It's fine. They'll be all right. Fair That's enough. the cynics argument. NC State 35, Virginia Tech 28. Number 10, Louisville 38, Miami 31. Mentioned this in the rapid reaction. Really impressed with Miami. Like, mm-hmm. obviously more impressed with Louisville because they found a way. And they got good Miami, right? Mm-hmm. So Louisville had to play well here, and they did. And we're going to give them a lot of credit here in a second. But Miami, genuinely impressed by this performance. Genuinely impressed. Yep. Agreed. Completely. Um, I mean, especially, again, we go back to last week, and Emery Williams gets the start, and it seems like a lot of this has to do with Tyler Van Dyke just not being believed in by the locker room, not being trusted by the locker room. He's been a turnover machine, like all this stuff. You would have never known that 
if if you hadn't watched almost anything before this game. Uh, Tyler Van Dyke came out. He played a really good game. He played clean. He did not turn the ball over. I didn't even feel like he really put the ball in danger much at all. Um, played very, very well. Played within the system. Mark Fletcher had a really good day running the ball for Miami. Uh, Xavier Restrepo, eight catches for 193 and a score. Like, they were – I thought they were really good. And as I mentioned earlier – Louisville kept up here and they made plays of their own, but it really did not feel like for most of this game that Louisville was going to get over the top and win. Um, it, it felt like they were hanging on. It felt like they were chasing in a lot of ways. Um, played really well in the fourth quarter, honestly, it, from what I saw. Um, I tweeted out at one point in the first half, I believe Jack Plummer is the worst part of Louisville's offense. And I wholeheartedly believe that. Um, it is so frustrating watching him play sometimes. He had an interception on Louisville's second drive of the game that was just like you made the completely wrong throw. And I think on the broadcast they said, hey, Cam Kitchens, like he baited him into this. Like, not really. Like, Jack Plummer just has kind of selective vision and doesn't see him. Um, he doesn't have good arm strength a lot of times. He, you know, he just – it's so frustrating watching him play football. But honestly, it, it – when it came down to it in the fourth quarter, again, uh, he made a, a few throws that he had to make, and uh, and Louisville felt like they kind of stole one here. Uh, yeah. There was a little bit of some late-game management shenanigans from Mario Cristobal again in this game, and that's kind of becoming a, a, a bit of a constant theme, I would say. That's who but, he is and what he does. Yep, 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 yep. Um, but overall, I mean, just really happy to see Louisville pull this off, finish the drill, 10 and 1, 7 and 1 in the conference, going to the ACC championship game, ranked ninth, I believe, in the AP poll that came out today. Um, really encouraging in a game that they were, it was slipping away a little bit at times, it felt like. And uh, to see them pull it together in the fourth quarter was uh, really encouraging. And what can you say? Louisville Louis. more or less runs the table in the ACC, aside from one Saturday night in the, uh, the big ketchup bottle for. <laughs> Which, of course, you know, but yeah, well, I mean, that that's the that's the loss that's going to keep him out of the playoff. But that's that's mm -hmm. fine. I whatever they play the corpse of Kentucky next week, which <laughs> whatever. I mean, I ain't uh, I ain't putting anything past <laughs> past that team. Oh, yes. Uh, Scott, thank you very much for reminding me of mm -hmm. this. Uh we received this uh, candidate for Go ACC Moment of the Week. Ruby uh, on Twitter. Yes, thank you. And I'm, I'm pulling it up for myself right now because the screen's really small for me. I, I can uh, speak to what this is. So a basically, trophy yeah. for a game that's just not going to be played anymore, essentially. <laughs> not on an annual basis. Yeah. This is the uh, if you're if you're watching this on the YouTube video, this is the Schnellenberger Trophy in honor of Howard Schnellenberger, and I, I guess that's a uh, a model of his cowboy boots that he wore on the sidelines. But a former head coach of both Louisville and Miami, um, I know for sure a guy who kind of uh, basically saved the Louisville football program from being folded. Uh, I think that was kind of being discussed, considered back in like the I don't know the seventies, maybe into the early eighties, but. Uh, built Louisville up into a kind of a respectable football program and, and sustained the program from there. Um, also has some history with Miami and certainly also with, you know, Florida Atlantic kind of in South Florida. And so they, they created this trophy uh, for the annual Louisville Miami rivalry game uh, that is now being played every year. And Oh, wait, look, it's not being played every year anymore. So uh, 
This will now be in the Louisville trophy case for however long it takes him to play Miami again. And then whether it's next year or years after that, who knows, Mike, then they will play for the trophy again. Yeah. Which sure. Why not? You know, nothing like a good old rivalry trophy. And instead of playing Miami on a semi-annual basis, you're going to be playing like Stanford instead. Feels good. College, College football is so much better now than it was five years ago, Mike. It, so much better yeah uh, I tweeted during the Washington Oregon State game last night I was like you know what this Washington Oregon game Oregon State game it's fun and all but I can't wait to see Washington play like Purdue Illinois Illinois can't wait to see him play Minnesota yeah Rutgers definitely better for the sport sigh nothing else here Mike I think that's all I got no Nothing else. Good for Louisville. Mm-hmm. Uh, good fight for Miami. Yeah. We'll see. I, I don't know what Miami's doing at quarterback next year. Um, I, I will say this. So so for, first of all, something I need to point out. One of the things we talked about on the, on the preview for this with Miami is they were coming off the Florida State loss. This is one of the best performances I've seen from Miami a week after losing to Florida State, at least since we've been doing this podcast. Um, if not maybe ever watching college football. So um, credit to them for being fired up and ready to play and, and giving Louisville hell for a full 60 minutes here, number one. Um, number two, Miami at six and five. They're going to Chestnut Hill next week. Um, like we said. A, a game like that I don't know. Wrong. I don't know what the spread is, but I want no part of that game. Like <laughs> that could go any number of directions. Um, but what I will say is that there's a chance here, Mike, that Miami finishes six and six. There's a chance that they finish seven and five. But I believe it was in the postmortem Miami show. Minus eight and a half. Miami minus eight and a half on the road. <laughs> Correct. Beast. All right. <laughs> I may actually be a little bit interested now that you said that. All right. My, Miami by more than a touchdown on the road in Boston in November. Sure. And and um, want to make it known. Boston College does suck. Doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if that's that's not the point. It's not, not the, the point. point. Not the point. Um, I believe it was the postmortem show we did last year with Cam when we asked him. And, and by the way, Miami didn't make a bowl game last year, so this is improvement number one. But we we asked him what does he need to see this year uh, to feel better about Cristobal and Mike. I don't know if you remember this. I I want to say Cam said he needed to see six and six. Just wanted to see one win, go to a bowl game. That was improvement for for Cam coming into this year, probably about 10 months ago or whenever it was that we talked to him. I kind of want to get back with Cam, and I hope, you know, Cam's probably listening to this. Hi, Cam. Yeah. Hi, Cam. I need to know if Cam still thinks that six and six is kind of an acceptable outcome for this season as it relates to Mario Cristobal and the staff as compared to kind of just the way that it's happened, what he's seen this year, because. It wouldn't shock me if uh, the tune changes there just a little bit. Circumstances, I think, tend to change people's outlook on stuff. And the way Miami is going to get to potentially... I mean, I think they'll probably beat BC. I mean, I would think. They should. They're more than a touchdown favorite. They should, right? They get Mm -hmm. seven, maybe eight wins, depending on what the bowl game situation is. Like, that's a successful year on paper, but when you see how they got there, kind of how they started, and kind of how this thing went down the stretch, maybe circumstances change the way you think about things. So, mm-hmm. curious to hear what Cam thinks about getting the bowl eligibility, like 
he was hoping they would, but how yep. they look at in there, I think it's another thing. And Dennis one thirty three points out still crazy that Georgia Tech and Miami have identical records right now over the last two years. <laughs> Makes you wonder. Uh, Louisville thirty eight, Miami thirty one. Louisville going to the ACC championship game and uh, potentially more. Yeah, ten and one. Two games left, Mike. Clemson thirty one. Number 20, North Carolina, 20. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of went how I thought. Like, <laughs> kind of went how I thought. Mm-hmm. This was uh, a game where I mentioned on the preview, I thought Carolina could have some success in the running game. But I thought when push came to shove, if Clemson made life difficult on Drake May in the passing game, the path to winning this football game was pretty clear. Lo and behold, Omari and Hampton for North Carolina had 19 carries for 178 yards. He did have a 64-yard run in there. 178 yards and two touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Drake May, 16 of 36 passing. That's not great, Bob. Yeah. For 209 yards, one touchdown, one pick. This Tough was the story of the game was Clemson made life really, really difficult on Carolina's receivers and made life especially difficult on Drake May. Uh, Clemson finishes four sacks here. Uh, There could have been more. They they really made things hard for North Carolina's offense for long stretches of this game. Um, Amari and Hampton's line, like I mentioned, a little bit deceiving. Like He had that 164-yard run, which certainly helped inflate the stats. He he was still running the ball okay, Mm -hmm. but Carolina got down here and they were playing catch up and they were getting in in third and medium third and long situations where they really had to throw clubs to the secondary was game. Nate Wiggins had a really nice game like Clemson was ready to rock defensively. And I think Clemson's offense, like you mentioned in the rundown, I'll let you kind of get into this in more detail. And I totally agree with you. They're starting to find themselves in terms of like having a true identity offensively, not having Cade Klubnick do as much, really mm-hmm. relying heavily on the run game. Will Shipley, 18 for 126 and a touchdown. Phil Maffa, 23 for 84 and a touchdown. Cade Klubnick had a rushing touchdown as well here. They're really kind of finding themselves as like this run-heavy offense. And Garrett Riley's been in his bag a little bit in the Mm -hmm. run game too. Like they're doing some creative stuff in the run game to spring Maffa and Shipley on these chunk plays. Mm -hmm. It's been working. They've been really impressive over the last month or so. They've been really good. So this is a good win for Clemson and Carolina, man. Want to ask the Mac Brown question. I might wait. I might wait one more week, but I'm going to have some questions here going into the off season. I think. This is around the time that we probably point out that North Carolina started the season six and zero, and they're uh, two and three in their last five games. Mm-hmm. Losses Man. to Virginia, Georgia Tech, and Clemson. They have mm-hmm. a win against Campbell, and a uh, completely convincing, not remotely fluky win against Duke. So there's that. Um, without Riley Leonard, by the way. Yeah, yeah, a Duke team without their starting quarterback and playing a freshman in his place. So, uh, yeah, I think there's valid questions there. Um, and, and as you mentioned, I mean, again, I think Clemson figuring out an identity, it took him a while this season, but 
seems like that's starting to round into form. And it, it looks different than Clemson teams in the past have, but it's working better than their offense has worked in a couple of years now. So I think there's something to that. And it's it's probably a little bit comforting or good to know because, like, I remember there was a thing always with DJU that it was like, oh, he's a guy that can run, but it's like he doesn't want to run or he really would prefer not to run. Um, it's It seems like they're mostly doing this without having to run Cade Klubnik too much, running him a little bit, but it's still, again, as you mentioned, 41 carries for Will Shipley and Phil Moffa here for 210 yards and two scores. I mean, that's it's a real good day at the office uh, for yeah. the run game. and. It seems like if there's anything that Clemson can do, and if that's maybe that's a way that you kind of neutralize the semi lack of talent at receiver, is you don't need wide receivers. You just run the ball. <laughs> and so yeah, they're figuring something out. It's working here. Um, yeah, I don't have a lot here. Uh, you know, North Carolina scores a touchdown on their third drive of the game, and then from there, uh, they they take a seven nothing lead, <laughs> and from there, North Carolina. F- Fumble, punt, turnover on downs, punt, punt, end of half, turnover on downs. They finally score another touchdown, but at that point, Clemson had a 21-7 lead, so it pulls into 20, 21-14. Clemson goes, scores another touchdown right there, and it's 28-14, and that was kind of it. Um, it yeah. never really got any closer than that. So, um, yeah, a good win for Clemson. Definitely think there's some questions to be asked about North Carolina. And uh, I see that little number 20 next to their name, but, like, see ya. You sure? <laughs> Yeah, not anymore. Uh, (laughs) This is what they are under Mac Brown. They are a eight and four, seven and five type team, which is flashy offense, poor defense. On average, slightly better than Larry Fedora. They are a uh, they are a better team, better program in terms of recruiting than they were under Larry Fedora. Mm -hmm. But the results are only slightly better. So, yeah. yeah, they're leaving a lot to be desired considering the caliber of player that they're getting mm-hmm. on the recruiting trail. So, yeah, I will say Amari and Hampton is a dude. Um, he yeah. has been consistently. He's one of the best running backs in the ACC has been all year. Um, yeah. So it kind of sucks seeing a guy like that lose games the way that North Carolina has. But he has been consistently excellent. I do want to just kind of call him out. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Guess the line um, next week for uh, UNC, NC State. Uh, I'll say in Raleigh or Chapel Hill? Raleigh. I'll say NC State minus two and a half. North Carolina minus two. Bingo. Jelly got it. Oh. <laughs> Nailed it. Oh. I can see with the way the North Carolina's offense moves the ball that they're they're favored even on the road, but not by a lot. Home dogs are howling. Yeah. <laughs> Not like anything weird ever happens in the uh, UNC NC State game. So that game last year was totally normal. Yeah. Yeah. No. Totally normal. Yeah. What was it double overtime or something like that? At least so. double, maybe three. Yeah. Completely normal. Clemson 31, North Carolina 20. Last one, Mike. Virginia 30, Duke 27. Duke turned it over twice. They probably shouldn't have done that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, Doesn't help. That. That really was it. Like Grayson Loft is another pretty impressive performance. Mm-hmm. Like I think, I, I think Duke's got a pretty reliable backup at the very least. Like if 
we'll see what happens with Mike Elko in the offseason if he leaves and goes somewhere else, namely to like A&M. Mm-hmm. If he goes there, we'll see if Riley Leonard follows him, right? But like Grayson Loftus is legit. Like I think he's got a, a bright future, regardless mm-hmm. of if it's next year or the years following. Like I think he's yep. he's a competent player. I, I thought he played well here. Yeah. Virginia, it's it's the Anthony Calandria experience. He Dude. is ele- he is electric. I, I- I think if I have like a, a little bit of a crush on anybody in the ACC, I think it's Anthony Calandria. I cannot stop talking about this guy. I can't stop watching this guy. He is so much fun to watch, sometimes for the wrong reasons, but a lot of times for good reasons of just like, I mean, even like last week, Louisville is playing against Virginia, and it's like somewhere between like fun watching Calandria play and like really irritating watching Louisville chase their tails trying to stop him or trying to do anything like, I, I am so impressed with Anthony Calandria and, and to some degree it's, I mean, he was doing some of this earlier in the year when he had to play, but I think there's, there's been like a, a level of refinement basically as the year has gone on that some of the like really crazy freshman mistakes he was making, he's not making them right mm-hmm. now. He didn't make them last week. He didn't make them in this game. Like just really a, a great performance from him, a great performance from Virginia overall. As mentioned before, Malik Washington, I believe, sets the school's record for uh, single-season receptions. He had eight for 112 and two scores here. Uh, continues to lead the conference in receiving and and one of the top receivers in the country. Um, he's been yeah. a huge find. All-American candidate. Oh, for sure. For sure. Um, huge win for Virginia. And I, you mentioned it earlier, Mike. Again, this is a... Uh, this is a good, bad team. This is a, a team that the record says that they're three and eight and they haven't won a lot of games, man. They're, they're improving. They have, they are better in November than they were in September. And that, that like my eyes tell me that the scores tell me that all that. I mean, they, there's something here and, and we might have checked out on Tony Elliott and that staff a little too early. I'll, uh, yeah, I agree. I'll say that right now. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to have to hold off on the Mickey mouse sound for a little bit. <laughs> Thank Uh, yeah, I mean, great win. Mm-hmm. Great win. Uh, unfortunately for Virginia Tech, this is going to be UVA Super Bowl <laughs> next week. Yep. They're not going to a bowl game. And uh, last game of the year, Brent. Yeah, I think. Uh, yeah, I think <laughs> if Elliott stays true to his word and starts Tony Musket, I think that would be a boon to Virginia Tech's chances of winning this football game. Mm-hmm. So, yep. I, I think that. Uh, Calandria is the type of quarterback with his recklessness that can really, really kill you, or he can really, really kill his own team. (laughs) And we've seen the good version of him the last two weeks. We saw the bad version a couple times earlier in the year where he had to step in for musket. Mm -hmm. Uh, But the good version of him is really good. He's got an incredibly high ceiling. So yeah. really curious to see how he how he projects moving forward. But I think UVA's found their quarterback. The name that came up on the Louisville broadcast last week that speaking of incredibly reckless comparisons, but I think there's something to it. No oh God. Was Johnny Manziel. Oh good. Excellent. He, he has a little bit of that like reckless effort. Like he can he can run around and, and avoid tackles you know pretty well like 
he does a lot of good things back there and, and some of just watching it visually looks a little bit like Johnny Menzel. I think there's something to that. And yeah, or maybe like a Baker Mayfield or something similar to just again, semi chaotic style of play that continues to work out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's, um, he's yeah. got the ceiling. He's got a dude at receiver. They do just enough in the running game. Obviously, Cleandria was a big part of it in this game. Uh, I believe it was 66. Yeah, 66 yards, mm-hmm. r- yards rushing on nine carries. Mm-hmm. So he's a big part in the running game. Active participant there. They do just enough. But yeah, they've been putting it in his hands a ton, right? I mean, he he threw the ball 30 times in this game. They weren't mm-hmm. afraid, afraid to really throw it around the yard here with Calandria. And um, yeah, three touchdown, no interception performance, took care of the ball. Uh, yeah, really impressed. I do want to hit on Duke for just a second um, before we get out of here. And I mean, again, so, okay, so they're six and five at this point, right? And they've lost four of their last five games. I think there's probably something to be said for how do we assess the uh, the handling of the Riley Leonard injury situation? Because he was injured at the end of the Notre Dame game. Came back for Florida State. We yeah, all kind of looked at each other. Take. We wondered, is this a little too early? Uh, played again against Louisville. Definitely was not right after that. I don't think we've seen him since then. Um, you wonder, like, would he have been good to go for November if you sit him out for a game or two there? And Yeah. You know, there, there, I think there's questions to be asked, but – does the shine come off of Mike Elko because you've lost two straight games by a combined five points on the road? Why are we? No. Why are we doing this? It's like a like couple not, plays here or there. Like no, I I've seen this floating around too, and this isn't me saying this to you. This is me saying this to the broader individuals who are posing this question to begin with. Right. Why are we doing this? Yeah. Why are we doing this? He he put Duke in a position where nobody expected him to be after year one. Mm-hmm. They hosted college game day six weeks ago against Notre Dame. Are we, are we just going to pretend that didn't happen? They were fourth they, and 16 away from winning that game, by the way. Like, what are what are we doing? Yeah, this is not this is not a reflection on Elko. I get the criticism and. I'm feeling good about my take about that, by the way. Yeah. I understand the criticism of rushing Leonard back. I also understand that Duke Duke's plan B at the time was Henry Boleyn, and he couldn't complete a forward pass. So I also understand Elko being like, maybe we just let Leonard play at 70% and just hope for the best if he thinks he's good. Yeah. I get it, but I don't think it was the right move. Yeah. And that's with me complimenting Loftus with how he played on Saturday and how he played last weekend, right? Like Loftus has been good, but I think that move really put Duke in a tough situation. But even with me disagreeing with that move by Mike Elko, I am not selling my Mike Elko stock. No, I no way. Like I'm buy more. I'll, <laughs> I'll buy. You don't think more. I will. I'll do it. You're going to go. You want to go down with the ship with your best player. If that's what we're if that's what we're gonna be Blame criticizing coaches for, more than happy to do it. Mm-hmm. Like I don't agree with it, but from his standpoint, I totally get it. Yeah. I totally like go down with your guy, thousand percent understand. Yep. But 
to like outright sell Mike Elko stock. Couldn't be Come me. <laughs> Could yeah. not be me. Yeah. Could not be me. Yeah. You've lost four straight on the road. Two of those are against the two teams are going to be playing for the ACC championship. The other two by a combined five points with a yeah. true freshman and an, games that you probably shouldn't have been in on a certain level. And, and mm-hmm. by the way, this is Duke. It's not Ohio State. It's not Alabama. It's not, you know, one of these pro- like you're you're competing on the margins at Duke. And when your starting quarterback goes down, your season should be over. Like done, done, uncompetitive, like that's it. They've remained competitive for the most part. And yeah. and I, I think there is a lot of credit to be given out for that. So Yeah. I have no concerns. I, I would completely understand if a Texas AM or someone with Buku bucks and a ton on the line were to reach out and hire Mike Elko from here. Yep. Um, I, I think he and that staff for two years now have been really, really impressive. So, yeah. Yep. Yep. So, uh, Virginia 30, Duke 27. Anything else there, Mike? Let's get to the awards before our producer falls asleep on us. <laughs> I'm assuming he's still there. Oh, he's here. He's there. He's there. He's here. We here, as Deion Sanders says. <laughs> Let's see. Hold on. As Deion Sanders also says, play my music. There it is. Uh, the we, we just have to start with Kobe Bryant Memorial Volume Shooter of the Week oh. because there's really... <laughs> Once again, I... This is one of the all-time stat lines I've ever seen. Dan Valari, that is tight end Dan Valari <laughs> to you, throws 14 passing attempts, completes every single one of them, and racks up 59 yards. Captain screen pass, baby. <laughs> the Brad Cornelson special. Nothing but bubble it, screens and jet sweeps. It was honestly irritating watching it as a Georgia Tech fan. because It's like, you see what they're doing here. Like, you can put, like, your safety a little more than... 12 to 15 yards away from the line of scrimmage. You know, you could like pressure him a little bit. They didn't do it. So they got 59 yards out of those 14 passing attempts. So to Dan Valari's passing line, we say Kobe. We, we say Kobe. And just the one thing I want to add is that he was 14 for 14. Did not throw a single incomplete pass. Yeah. Had a QBR of 53.1. That ain't good. <laughs> it's not good. By the way, those 14 completions, eight of them went to the running back. <laughs> so bad. It, it, they were all screen passes. <laughs> That's all it was. Again, all this is hilarious in the box score. Incredibly impressive coaching job to, like, rig this whole thing together on the fly in the middle of the season. So They, they really did what they could. Yeah. I just, my God, man. It was too soon, Dino Babers. Too soon. Yeah. Uh, go ACC moment of the week. Do we do we want to go with the Schnellenberger Memorial Trophy? Yeah. Yeah, the Schellenberger Memorial He Died Award. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, uh, Yeah, that's go ACC moment of the week is handing out a trophy to a rivalry that never really existed to begin with and really isn't going to exist for the foreseeable future. They just invented an award because a guy coached in two different places. Sweet. Mike, you know the tradition in the locker room after uh, either Alabama or Tennessee win their game against each other? Uh, yeah, can you remind the, uh, remind the listeners? They smoke cigars That's in the right. locker room to, mm-hmm. to celebrate winning against each other. Mm-hmm. I feel like the Schnellenberger Trophy Memorial winners uh, should be smoking pipes in the locker room <laughs> to, <laughs> yeah. to 
celebrate Howard Schnellenberger. <laughs> Just for the occasion. That's right. Back That's of right. pipes, to be clear. That's right. Truly really friendly show. <laughs> That's right. Yes, of course. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. The uh, Brian Van Gorder Memorial You Tried Award. Uh, uh, Boston College? Or, uh, <laughs> Wake Forest? I, I was looking at Wake Forest. I was thinking about that as well. Um, yeah, not 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 great. Not pretty. I, I was going to give it to Dave Colossi in particular. Like You tried to pick a new starting quarterback, and you just... The claw. The claw. is a little bit broken. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. Dave Clawson's press conferences are just getting like increasingly more sad, by the way. I feel it's, I feel bad for him because I do, I do think too. he's a good coach. He just does not he understands he does not have a guy to complete a forward pass. That's tough. Yeah. Yeah. Not not, not great. great. Not great. Uh what else do we got, Mike? Which which of your uh, totally normal, socially acceptable awards would you like to hand out this week? Queen Elizabeth's second memorial You Died Award goes to well, I, I'm not gonna give it to who I want to give it to because that would be that would be awful. Uh, that'd be bad, off color, unfortunate. And he seems like, by all indications, he seems like a very good dude. So I'm not gonna give it to him. But I will be giving it instead to Virginia Tech and their rushing defense. Hmm. Buddy, you died. Not great. Tough scene. Tough Real scene. Tough. Uh. Do we have other awards, or is that it? Am I forgetting anything? Uh, we got to do Player of the Week. Yeah, but we got to turn off the music for the week. That. Yeah, that's true. Uh, Player of the Week, Anthony Calandria. Mm-hmm. Strong in a losing effort. And losing in, in a winning effort. Sorry. Yes, you're correct. It's, yep. it's, it's yep. late. Yep, very late. Very late. My, uh, my vision has not been ideal. So, um, yes, you're correct. Anthony Calandria, Player of the Week. Um, yeah, I think that's probably pretty good. Um, yeah. Congrats to him. Restrepo, a losing effort. Xavier Restrepo, yeah, losing really effort good. for sure. Nine for 190 and a touchdown or something. He had mm-hmm. a big day. Um, yeah. I don't know that anyone else really stands out here. I guess, yeah. No, I wouldn't say so. I, I wouldn't say Haynes King's. Nah, I mean, it was okay. I don't know. It was pretty good. Not player of the week worthy, I don't think. Yep. Team of the week. Virginia is mine. Virginia. Well, I mean, Georgia Tech, of course, honorable mention for, for your sake, Joey. Right. I'll throw in Georgia Tech. Is, yeah, bowl eligibility. That's good. Um, Clemson. We're just Clemson. handing them out to every ACC Pitt. team that won at this point. But Florida Clemson. State won their game. Um, <laughs> I mean... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, they scored, well, I will say they scored 58, and all 58 of those points came with a backup quarterback in the game, so yeah. that's yeah, worth let's something. Talk about, let's team. talk about the live bet that was free money. Yeah, Florida Scott. State, minus 16 and a half, middle second quarter, oh. free money. I think I was in the car when you texted me that. Free like, money. I had no chance at it. By the time we were done driving, it was like 42 to 13 or something like that. I was like, oh, well, never mind. Yeah. Yeah, that. Yeah, Scott probably doubled his account on that bet. I did. Yeah. Unload, unload. Uh, Mike, I think that's all I got on week twelve. Anything that's else? It. Let's let's go to bed. Let's do a uh, rivalry week preview before Thanksgiving. Let's do it. We should do that. We should do that. 
Um, we haven't we haven't talked about this off air, but I was going to propose uh, that we maybe do this live Tuesday night um, to yeah. have live on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Producer Scott, I don't know if that matches with your schedule at all, but the goal basically being, Thumbs you know, up. for the folks traveling on Wednesday, going to meet family or whatever for Thursday is uh, it's prepped for them and, and ready to go. How do we feel about that? Great idea, Jelly. I was going to suggest the same thing. <sighs> Beautiful. You're the man. All right, perfect. We will do that. We will be live Tuesday night. I will be fresh off a round of golf. Uh, I'm sure that'll go swimmingly. Uh, so we will preview week 13, the final week of the regular season. Uh, we have a Black Friday game uh, between Miami and Boston College. What could possibly go wrong? Uh, and then we have a slate of eight games on Saturday. A bunch of the uh, SEC ACC challenge will be that day. Uh, among a few others of uh, other conference actions. So keep it tuned here. We will get you ready for those games and uh, get you ready for any, you know, travel or just needing to like sneak away from your family or whatever that you've got coming up the next few days. So uh, somebody's going to have to do it. That's right. That's right. Keep it tuned here. In the meantime, you can find us on Twitter. I'm at FTRS Joey. He's at Mike McDaniel SI together at BC podcast ACC. Uh, you can send us an email to your to the, with the, your questions, comments, concerns to the longest email address known to man, basketballconferencepodcast at gmail.com. Nailed it. Thank you. Uh, you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Google, Amazon, you know, any of those places you would normally go find your, uh, your podcast content on audio versions. Uh, hit the subscribe button. We'd appreciate that. But what we'd really appreciate is hitting the subscribe button on YouTube, youtube.com slash at the ACC football podcast. Uh, hit the bell icon to be notified when we're going to go live so you too can jump in the comments with all the chat. Uh, we have a lot of folks, very active chat here tonight with us on a Sunday night. So really appreciate the folks that are here with us. Uh, if you Again, if you want to join them, hit the subscribe button, hit the bell icon, youtube.com slash at the ACC football podcast. Yep. Mike, you want to somewhere else they can find us on social medias? Facebook, facebook.com slash basketball conference rate review. Find all of our podcasts there. Instagram at BC Podcast ACC. And like Joey mentioned, youtube.com slash at the ACC football podcast. Subscribe really helps us out. Mm -hmm. Please do. Please do. Uh, Mike, I think that's all I've got. Should we call a comment from the YMCA before we get out of here? Producer Scott, unsung hero of this podcast. We agree. Yep. Thank you, YMCA. Say no Please more. Subscribe. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, Mike, Scott, y'all want to come back and preview the end of the regular season? See you in two uh, days. It's sickening that that's a sentence that just came out of your mouth. So. Yeah. Got here real quick. Got here it real did. quick. That it did. But we will be back with, uh, what was it Harbaugh said that one time with a, a vigor unknown to mankind or what was it something like that something like that yeah so we'll do that strange dude <laughs> i'm guessing we have no idea anyways until then for mr mike mcdaniel for mr producer scott i am joey weaver thank you guys so much for listening we'll talk to you again very very soon enjoy the games next weekend and until then go acc